Okay? Now, does it have to... Now, of course, as God gives this to, to Israel, it was very specific that the seventh day was to be the day of rest. Okay? Um, now, do, do we have to follow that and say the seventh day has to be the day of rest? I don't think you have to follow that specifically. I think what God is saying, you do need a day of rest. Okay? Uh, again, you said six days you're going to work. The seventh is going to be that day of rest. Nowadays, people work different, different types of jobs, different types of hours, different types of days, and things like that, right? Um, it's going to be fi- kind of hard to find jobs that way, okay? But he's saying you do need a day of rest. There needs to be a day of rest there. But Sunday was not, the Sabbath did not change from Saturday to Sunday in the New Testament, okay? The Sabbath is to be a day of rest. What is Sunday supposed to be a day of? Worship. Sunday is supposed to be a day of worship. Okay. Um, now, can somebody use Sunday as a day of rest? Sure, you can use Sunday as, a, as if that's your day of rest, right? Uh, if you're working the rest of the week and you're taking Sunday off and that's your day of rest, okay, that's fine. Um, but Sunday was not supposed to be the Sabbath. Don't don't ever think that somehow now in the New Testament the Sabbath has changed from Saturday to Sunday. Okay. Um, on the first day of the week is when the believers would gather together to worship. They did not gather as the day of rest, okay? And that's why even you'll find still, even in the New Testament, when, um, um, uh, where was my train of thought going there? It left. That's where it went. Um, no idea what I was going to say there. Anyway, um, all right, so, so we find that, right? Um, any, anybody have any questions about the Sabbath and the sun? Yes, ma'am. You talking about the Jews, or? Well, yes. As far as the days of the week, yes, that's always been seven days. A week has always been the seven days. Um, the same month, no, uh, because like even for the Jews, the Jewish year is only three hundred sixty days, right? Where we have three hundred sixty-five days. Okay. So as far as the month and the years, no, that's going to be different. But it's always been a week. There's always been that seven day. Sunday's always been day one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and again, it's, you know, obviously in other, if I could say in other cultures, in other languages, it may not be referred to as Sunday or Saturday. That's, that's an English word, right? But it's always going to be the first day, the third day, the seventh day, right? In many cultures, they actually do it by the, the actual number. This is the first day, the seventh day. But it's always one through seven. There's never an eighth day or a ninth day of a week. It's always just one through seven. Mm-hmm. Ms. Allison? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, God, God's the one that created the time. And again, that's where you, whole, you look at the whole solar system, the rotation of the earth around the sun and, and the year and everything like this. It's, it's all created by God, designed by God, even for time and the weeks and the months and everything. And that's what he talks about even in creation. He's given the moon and the stars and the sun and things for, for times and seasons, right? God is the one that created all that, but most people just don't have a, don't have a clue. Rob? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was there another hand? Yeah. Sure. Uh, that well. Okay. Anybody hear his question? He said in the in the New Testament. Um, and I think this is actually where I was going a minute ago when I totally lost my train of thought. Thank you. Um, as Paul would go into the synagogue, right, uh, and he would teach and preach, what day of the week would that have been? Anybody want to have a guess? Could have been Saturday, but it could have been any other day of the week as well. Now, most likely, most of the time it would have been on Saturday. But here's what the thing that's really interesting. Um, where do you find a synagogue in the Old Testament? You know, there are no synagogues in the Old Testament. When did the synagogues come about? It's interesting, right? You read the whole Old Testament, nothing there, and then all of a sudden, boom, in the New Testament, synagogues. Same thing. There was no, where do you read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the Old Testament? They're not there. All of a sudden, you come to the New Testament, boom, there they are. Right? They're the kind of the main leaders, right? And you kind of see this whole religious system revolving around synagogues and revolving around the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and all this, right? Where all this come about? Yeah. In the Old Testament, you hear about the groves and the trees and the high places. Has that been considered anything at all in religion, whether it's good or bad, whether that all resolved, all revolves around the high places and the groves? Has that ever been um, no, he was, he's asking about like the groves and the high places. Those were, those were places that they would offer like sacrifices and things like this. Um, and they would have special places dedicated for that. Right. Um, and so they would come out and have idolatrous worship and things like this. Um, but what happens is in the 400 years of silence, right? Between the old Testament, and the new Testament, you have what's called the 400 years of silence. Okay. So there's what it's meaning is there's no revelation from God during those 400 years from the time of the end of the old Testament to when you have John the Baptist and basically the angel coming to uh, Elizabeth and Mary, there's no revelation from God in those 400 years. Okay. All right. So what happens? <laughs> um, and I think if you can, if you look through scripture when, um, when God is silent what tends to happen? Corey? Are all of these like man-made When God is silent, man tries to work. Man tries to take it into his own hands, right? There were no synagogues. God never commanded synagogues. Nowhere in the scripture do you ever find a commandment of synagogue. But yet in the New Testament you have synagogues. What happened? 
men, the Jews, developed these synagogues. And what they would do, because, and really what happened was because of the captivity, the displacement of the Jews, they weren't able to get back to Israel. They weren't able to get back to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. And so what they did, because they were so scattered abroad, they, would, they made what you would almost call a, a miniature temple, but it wasn't a temple, it was called a synagogue. And every synagogue would have to have a priest. There would be a priest that was there, not for sacrifices or anything, but the priest would be there to basically read the scriptures, right? And so you'd have in, in many of these places where Jews were, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there had to be 10, I think there had to be 10 Jewish families in an area to be able to have a synagogue, Right? Um, and so you'd have a synagogue, and then people would come, and there would be a priest there, uh, or a rabbi, or someone that would be able to teach the scriptures. Okay, but the other thing that began to happen is the synagogues weren't just a place where they would come to hear the scriptures. The synagogues became like a community center. It was all throughout the week things were happening at the synagogue. Now, specifically on the Sabbath, they would come to the synagogue. Right, And again, here's one of the reasons why they had synagogues is because on the Sabbath, remember, you weren't supposed to do any work on the Sabbath, right? Also on the Sabbath, you were, and this is where, you know, people that are Seventh-day Adventists and things like this today, they talk about the Sabbath, the Sabbath, the Sabbath, but yet in talking about the Sabbath, they break the Sabbath because on the Sabbath, you were only allowed to travel a certain distance, right? Um, On the Sabbath, it was called a Sabbath day's journey, right? That means there was a certain distance you were only allowed to go on the Sabbath. It was about, again, I could could be wrong. Don't quote me on this. I think it was about a quarter of a mile, maybe half a mile, right? So you could only travel a half a mile. That That was that journey, Sabbath day journey. If you went beyond that, you were considered breaking the law, right? So, and again, I'm not, not trying to be critical here. I'm just trying to show this. How many people that observe the Sabbath, right, today, as far as like a day of worship and keeping the law, how many of them travel more than a quarter to a half a mile to go to church to worship? They've all just broken the Sabbath that they're claiming that they're trying to keep, right? Um, so... The synagogues were there, and on the Sabbath, they would, go to the, they would go to the synagogues, and there would be somebody there, rabbi or priest or someone that would read the scrolls. That's why Jesus, when he would go to the, Sab- uh, go to the synagogue, um, many times he was asked to read the scriptures, okay? Um, so they, were, they, went to the, they went to the synagogue. Um, but then also you find now you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these. What happens? It's this man, re- man-made religious system. Right, because again, there's no you don't have the the temple during this 400 years of silence uh, for worship, and so you have these two sects, uh, S-E-C-T-S, sects that have been brought about: the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And these were kind of the religious dominant leaders of the day, uh, the, these political or religious parties, and so these were the ones that were kind of governing everything. Okay, as far as religious wise and even political as well, um, they were kind of the head political people um, because you had the, the the chief priest who was also one of part of these, and then from these two groups you had what was called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was a council of seventy men 
um, taken from the Pharisees and from the Sadducees, and that was basically the governing body over everything. They made all the rules and everything. And that's why when Paul was taken before the Sanhedrin, what did he do? Being a Pharisee, he appealed to who, which group of people in that body? He appealed to the Pharisees, right? And because the Pharisees believed certain things and the Sadducees didn't. The Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection. The Sadducees didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in, in the spirit and things like this where the Pharisees did. So when Paul is, is, uh, is arrested and he's brought before the Sanhedrin, the council, he appeals to the Pharisees about the resurrection because he knows that's, gonna, that's really going to cause a stir here because the Pharisees believe in it. The Sadducees don't. And he was basically kind of getting the Pharisees on his side during his trial, during his arrest, because he believes in the resurrection. The Sadducees did not. Okay? Um, and so you have these synagogues. You have these religious groups that come because God is silent. And instead of just being content with the word of God, man said, we need to come up with our own things. Right? Um, and that's why even Jesus says you have, you're teaching the commandments of men as the commandments of God. And that's, that's not supposed to be, right? Um, and so, um, so these synagogues came about because of not being able to get to Jerusalem, to the temple and worship. And so they had these synagogues in wherever Jewish families were, um, and they'd be able to go there. Again, they weren't sacrificing. They didn't do sacrifices because the only place you could do that was at the temple. But they would have these synagogues where you could go um, and you could learn, be taught, uh, the scriptures and things like that. Okay. Um, how did we get on? Somebody asked about synagogues, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So most of the time they would have gone in on this on Sabbath Saturday, because that's when most of the Jews would be there, um, for the teaching. Right. And so that's when Paul would go in. Um, even Jesus would go in on the Sabbath, uh, during those times, but it wasn't just during the Sabbath times, I believe any time throughout the week when people are going to be there, that's when Paul was there. That's why, um, and I'm kind of uh, giving you a heads up on the message. We're going to refer back to Acts chapter 19. When he went to Ephesus, he went to the synagogue. But I don't think Paul just went one day a week to try to win Jews to Christ. I think he was trying to do it every day as, as much as he could, right? Um, but specifically on the Sabbath, he was there because that's when most of the Jews would be there during that day, uh, because that was the day they would come to, to read and, uh, sing and things like that. So that's where kind of, um, many times now people get this idea that the Sabbath is a day of worship because when you come to the new Testament, you find the Jews going to the synagogues on the Sabbath and they would have scripture being read and taught and things like that. So, Oh, it must be a day of worship. That's not what God said. God didn't say it was supposed to be a day of worship. It was supposed to be a day of rest, right? They weren't supposed to be doing anything, no work that day, okay? But when we come to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we know that Christ resurrected on the first day of the week, right? The first day of the week. And when the disciples would meet together, it was always on the first day of the week as a church. Obviously, they were there together throughout the weeks, but on the first day of the week as they would gather together as a body. And so that's why we as believers today gather on Sunday. We gather together on the first day of the week because that's the day that we worship the resurrection. Uh, we worship Christ and we celebrate the resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ and we 
we sing and uh, we study the word together and we do that on the first day on Sunday, right? Okay. Anybody else have a question or anything about that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in the Old Testament, you still have the priests. You have the Levites and the priests. Okay. Um, and you still have that in the New Testament as well. But in the Old Testament, you just you didn't have the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? But you still had the priests, um, which came from the tribe of Levi. Right? The Levites were the ones that were to be of the priests. And so in the Old Testament, you still did have sacrifices taking place. Um, and so um, the priests, and it's really fascinating um, when you think about a whole tribe of Levi was specifically dedicated for um, the temple worship. Um, because, again, when you think about all that was entailed in it, just uh, the whole cleanup process, uh, again, all of the death, all of the sacrifices that are taking place there every day, not just on one day of the week, but every day sacrifices, whether it's pigeons and turtle doves, whether it's bullocks, whether it's rams, whether it's lambs. I mean, there are sacrifices being done all the time during the day at the temple. Um, And so the priests were the ones in charge of those. Um, And so some of the Levites who were not priests would be in charge of the courts, and they would help with the cleanup and things like this. Uh, then you had the priests that were allowed to go into the, the tabernacle or into the temple. And then, of course, you had the high priest, and only the high priest was able to go into the Holy of Holies, which was in the temple, but he could only do that one time a year. So you had the priests, and they were, in the Old Testament, they were definitely more of the religious leaders. Um, they weren't as much political at that time. Uh, because, again, in the Old Testament, you had the kings, um, and so the kings were trying to be the political leaders. Um, now, again, you do see a, a, a powerful influence of the, um, of the priests many times. Like, um, I can't, is it, was it Josiah? I think it was Josiah when he was like eight years of age. It was uh, one of the priests that kind of took him under his wing and kind of helped to, to train him and lead him so that he became a good king. Um, now, Josiah wasn't trying to become the king. He was the priest, but he was helping. Or, I'm sorry, the priest wasn't beca- trying to become the king, but he was trying to help Josiah to become the right king, a good king. So the priests in the Old Testament um, were not so much political um, figures uh, or leaders, but more of the spiritual religious. Um, uh, of course, you did have Eli, um, you know, who was one of the high priests, and then, of course, Samuel uh, and some others, but um, they were more spiritual, religious than they were political because that's where the kings and the judges were all at. Mm-hmm. But then in the New Testament, then you have this, the Sadducees and the Pharisees that all came upon the scene at that time. Yeah, very good. Anybody else? Yeah, Andy? Right.
Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why even when you come to, you know, you come to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and even though they were keeping so much of the law, what was Jesus's accusation against them? Their heart wasn't right. Um, and so you can be a law keeper, if you want to call it that, and not have the right heart, right? Have, not have the right attitude about it. Right. Um, I think we can see that if I know none of you ever did this when you were younger, but I think you can see that in some of your kids, right? They can do what they're supposed to do without having the right heart, right? My, my, dad, always, my dad always told me this. Um, he said, slow obedience is no obedience, right? I can obey, but if I don't do it with the, with the right heart and with the right spirit, it's not really obedience because I'm rebelling on the inside. Even though my actions are, I'm doing it on the outside, in the heart, I'm just rebelling against it, right? And is that then really obedience? Not really, right? Corey? Yeah, because he healed, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I don't know that that was part of the man-made process. I think they were just grasping at straws to try to find anything that they could accuse Jesus of. Because then what does Jesus turn around and say? You take your donkeys out to water. Right? If, if, one of your, if, if, if an animal fell down in a pit, wouldn't you get it out? That's work, right? But you, you're okay with that, but you're not okay with me saying, stretch forth your hand, and this palsied man's hand is, is healed? I mean, who, who did more work there? Taking a donkey out to water or me speaking some words? You know, So they, they were just kind of grasping at straws. They were just trying to, in any way they could, make Jesus look bad. Because, because here's the thing, right? And, and we do this today, right? I mean, let's, let's not fault... Let's be honest. They had exceptions to all the laws. They always had exceptions, right? That's why Jesus says, well, you take your donkeys out to water, right? And if something, if, a, you know, somebody was sick, wouldn't you take them to the physician? Wouldn't you take them to somebody to help? Sure you would, right? So there are exceptions. Again, the Bible talks about the, the, the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, Right? Um, the, the, it's the spirit of the law that God is looking more at, not so much the letter of the law. I think that's what Brother Andy was talking about. It's the spirit of the law, right? Yes, even though God says, hey, the Sabbath is to be a day of rest, okay? If someone was sick and needed to be taken to the hospital or something, you know, would we sit there and say, well, I'm sorry, the hospital's a mile away and um, I can only go a quarter of a mile, so you're just going to have to die. Is, is that what God's saying? You know, okay, well, I, I, kept the, I kept the law. No, I think God, I think God under, would understand that, hey, if somebody is sick and desperately to medicine, you can go farther. You can, in essence, in, in essence, you can break the law without being guilty of breaking the law. You understand what I'm saying there, right? Um, 
In other words, if, if, if there is a desperate need that has to happen, it's okay, right? We're not wanting to make a practice out of it and just make up any excuse for it, right? But if there is a desperate need, yeah, if, if your donkey has fallen into a pit, you're not just going to leave it there and let the hyenas and the jackals and the wild dogs come and eat it. No, get it out. What, do what you need to do and get it out, okay? But don't try to do work on the Sabbath and be like, oh, well, you know, this is what I had to, right? I just had to do this. No, you didn't have to, right? That's, that's where the spirit of the law and the letter of the law God speaks about. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying there, Rob? Right, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. because he didn't do what God said in the, on the day six. He said, I've, I've given you provision for that on day six. You get everything ready on day six. He said, well, I don't care. I'm going to go and do what I need to on day seven. God said, okay, you're going to die. Again, it wasn't, it wasn't the spirit of the law. It, he, was, he was just willingly breaking the law, right? Right, good question. Well, we got, we got another one. That's great. We got the Sabbath in here, okay? Very good. Uh, well, there's, there's still eight more. Well, there's a few more than that, but um, so keep keep looking, and uh, we'll keep going through these um, in, in our Sunday school class. And um, we found, I think we found two specifically: "Thou shalt not kill" and "keep the Sabbath." Right? We found those, even though we don't find those specific words, uh, we have found them uh, before the law was given. So uh, keep looking, and uh, we'll continue this next Sunday. Then, all right? You are dismissed. Yeah. <laughs>